Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 31 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm your host, Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today's episode is especially emotional for me. I think there are several different reasons for this. Andy went to preschool in the same school that Ryan attended. The accident occurred only two to three blocks away from my house, so I drive past the accident site almost every single day and see the makeshift memorial that has been placed there by friends and family. Driving by makes me think of their little boy as well as my own and the accidents that should never have happened. Today I get to speak with both of Ryan's parents, Stacy and Andy, and talk about their wonderful son Ryan and what they have done to try to work to prevent this type of tragedy from happening again. As a reminder, after listening to the episode, go to my website, andysmom.com. There you can see pictures of Ryan and his parents and sister. You can also sign up to get email alerts so you know when new episodes or other content come out. Thank you again for supporting me and for listening to the show. This is an especially difficult time given the pandemic. This upcoming week is especially hard for me because Andy would have been turning 16 this next Tuesday. So if you can say a little extra prayer for me on Tuesday, I would really appreciate it. But for now, I hope you enjoy listening to Ryan's parents talk about their son Ryan and his story. Well, I want to thank you guys both today. I have both Stacy and Andy here today. They're Ryan's parents. And even though they live only a few miles down the road, we're having to do this remotely due to our stay-at-home orders. We're trying this out and seeing how things go. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show today. I really look forward to it. Yes. Thanks for having us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So first of all, I just want you to talk to us about your son, Ryan, and just tell us about him as a kid. Um, So Ryan was an amazing boy. He was almost seven when he passed away. Um, but he was full of life, full of energy. He was always on the go. He had a heart of gold. He always mm-hmm. wanted, uh, wanted people to be happy and be included. And he brought a lot of life and energy and joy into our lives. He was just an amazing kid. Yeah. What are some things he liked to do that you guys like to do together? Oh, he loved to ride his bike. He loved riding quads. I mean, he, he loved anything that would go. If it had wheels, <laughs> if it was on water, any, anything that could make him go ever since he was really little. Just go, go, go. Yeah, he, he loved projects. He loved helping people, um, whether it was helping Andy in the barn was something that he was working on. He loved to even help in the kitchen. He would always want to make things, (laughs) come up with his own recipes, even though it really wasn't anything good. (laughs) Noodles, uncooked noodles with milk and sugar and (laughs) whatever you could think of. And pudding. Oh, pudding. (laughs) Great. He he loved to come up with his own uh, concoctions. But yeah, I mean, playing with other kids, he had had so many things he loved to do. He definitely loved to experience life and all the things that came with it um but yeah he he was definitely always always around and 
wanting to be part of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a fun kid. Yeah. Yes. Why don't you go into a little bit of just what happened with Ryan then? Well, Stacy was out of town with our daughter, Brianna, and I was out bike riding with Ryan on Cascade Road. There's a, a bike path along the road that he loved to ride on. And as we were riding, he was always very, very cautious and careful about driveways and intersections and always turning back to me to ask if it was safe. And we came up to an intersection with a crosswalk and we had the green light. We had a, a green walk signal and, and Ryan stopped and I looked and traffic was stopped. There was one car waiting to make a right turn and he stopped and, and waved us and everybody else was halted. So I, I told Ryan, go ahead. It's safe. I, I was probably 10 feet behind him because I always thought behind him was the safest spot so I could keep an eye on him. And he went to start crossing. And when he was in front of a pickup truck, the guy took off and made a right turn on red. And Ryan just disappeared from my view. And I just screamed, stop, yeah. stop, please stop. And yeah. by the time the truck stopped, he had already gone around the corner and it was too late. Ryan was under the truck. Mm-hmm. And you're a firefighter, so you're used to having to be a first responder, aren't you? Yes, yep, yeah. I am, but never on your own son. You never nope. dream it. No. It's, um, I mean, your story is very similar to what my husband had to do with our son as well. So I don't know how much of that you want to talk about that, you know, whatever you want, feel like you want to share, it's fine. Um, I mean, I, I was the one that pulled Ryan out from under the truck, took him over to the side of the road to try and revive him. There was a doctor who had happened to be driving by who stopped to lend a hand. Multiple people called 911, and I called into dispatch to give him an update because I wanted to make sure they had the right info, and I wanted him to launch Aeromed, and I wanted things now. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to wait because I knew it wasn't good. And it actually happened in Cascade, which is my response area. So it was my own department, all my own friends who responded to help. And it it just kind of became a blur from there. Next thing I knew, it was in the hospital where I got the word that he had passed and couldn't be revived. And I was very blessed to have a lot of people around me. Mm-hmm. A lot. Uh, uh, I, I don't even know how everybody got there so fast. A lot of the department was there before me. I heard later that a lot of people loaded up and chased the ambulance down and followed it right into the emergency room because even one of our guys rode in the ambulance with Ryan and held his hand and did not let go of his hand until I was there to to take over because he did not want him to be alone. So a lot of amazing support, but just terrible, terrible situation I never wanted to dream about. I know. I actually remember that night, too, um, because we not, I maybe maybe 10 minutes before that, had turned on that same corner going to watch my son Peter's baseball game. And so we were there. And then my daughter was a little bit behind and she was going to turn and go down that same way and she saw fire trucks coming and saw that there was no one, it wasn't there yet. But anyway, people were coming and there was starting to be a little bit of commotion at the intersection and so she turned the other way, which I later really felt blessed that that had happened, that she hadn't seen that because it, you know, it had not been that long since the same thing had happened to her brother. So I certainly wouldn't have wanted her to have to see that. Yeah, after the game, we couldn't get to home to our neighborhood because traffic was all stopped and the police. So we parked in a church parking lot and walked home. And I I didn't sleep that night because I was praying for you constantly because, you know, it was only a couple of blocks from my house. So... um I have not told you guys that, but 
You had my prayers from the very, very beginning. Because I knew what had happened and I, and I, I mean, I didn't know at first, certainly that he had died. And I just prayed that he hadn't. Because I knew the road you were going to go down if he did. So just to share that with you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Because I didn't meet you for quite some time. I did reach out, sort of, but it took a while to meet. Yeah, we, I think, have a mutual friend who first, um, Amy, who yeah. had told us about about what happened with your family and said that, you know, when the time comes, if, you know, we ever connect that, you know, I think you maybe had mentioned to her about um, maybe at some point talking and connecting yeah. um when when it when we were ready so yeah. i'm glad i'm glad that we were able to um it's you know even the the support group that we were part of and we were lucky enough to be in that group together with you um it just it it helped it helped a lot to know that people are there for you amidst their own pain Pain. and struggles Uh it makes a big difference because you really don't know you don't have any idea what it would will be like until you've experienced it yourself that tragedy that loss that feeling like you just have a hole yeah so it is nice to be able to surround yourself with other people I think Mm -hmm. I know I invited you to, to uh uh, women's retreat that they had just it was only about a month after Ryan died I think that first women's retreat yeah I didn't talk to you much there just a couple seconds I think but yeah but you did yeah. go I did yeah um, I struggled with going I I didn't know if it was something I wanted to do so soon mm-hmm. I think you know if it had been more, you know, time had passed and it maybe had been a year since it probably would have been an easier decision, but I gave it a lot of thought and talked with Andy about it and decided, you know, it it would probably be a good thing. Um, I was a little nervous (laughs) because I didn't want to go by myself and it was a women's retreat. So I actually, I asked a friend, a good friend of mine, um, if she would join me. So I think it was good. It was good to hear how other mothers have dealt with the pain mm-hmm. in their journey along this unfortunate path that we all have experienced. And, um, you know, people said it, it gets easier, which I, at the time, had no idea how that was even possible, how, you know, you learn this new way of life without such a special person in it. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad I went in the end because I could make those personal connections with people like yourself, um, which, like I said, it helps immensely. I thought for me too, uh, that's when we first heard Anna Winston Donaldson, the author of Rare Bird, and I thought she was really amazing to hear her speak too. I thought so too. Yeah, it meant a lot to me to hear her. And then she, you know, has since been a guest on the show. She was she was one of the first people I talked about about the idea of doing a podcast, and she was so supportive and excited and enthusiastic about it. So that day was one of the days that you know I was kind of floating the idea out there. So and then as you mentioned earlier, then we were in a support group together. Should be in another one right now, right? except that with the stay-at-home order it's not happening but so I got to know you guys a little bit more through that and like you said just hearing other people's stories is just so helpful I think to be able to look and see how people are doing who are a little bit ahead of you or being able to try to help people who might be a little bit behind you or something like that so going back to Ryan's death, I 
there were some pretty cool things that happened after he died with his funeral and some things like that. And I do want you to share some of that with the fire trucks and things like that, if you could. Well, since the accident happened five days before his seventh birthday, it came up at the funeral home like, we got to pick a day. When should we do it? They said, we typically would do it about five days from now, but maybe you don't want to do it on his birthday. So we talked about it and it's, I mean, there's not a good day. Nobody, nobody picks a good day to have a funeral for their son. And just with Brian's life and personality, we thought it makes sense to me to do it on his birthday because then it's a birthday party. Ryan loved people. He loved activity. He was never a quiet sit at home kid. The thought of having a big party to celebrate him just seemed like the right thing to do. So Mm -hmm. Ada Bible Church helped us out with the funeral and they were amazing. I mean, they've really got it figured out. They know what they're doing. They know how to make it easy on the family. But then on top of that, um, one of the captains from my fire department was assigned to just work with us. The chief told him, don't show up to the station. You show up to Andy and Stacy's house. Your assignment is to take care of them. <laughs> and that was amazing. It, me and him have been good friends for many years. And so he knew me and he knew Ryan. And I teased him a little bit at times about being my secretary because in that first week, I didn't have a clue what was going on. I didn't have a clue what I needed to do. And he followed me around. And by the time the funeral was planned, he was walking around with two notebooks all the time of notes. And and he'd he'd stop by or he'd text me or he'd just swing by to pick me up and go, hey, Andy, you need to be here now. This is what's going on. And and I didn't have any idea. You know, he, he would ask me for my input on decisions. And but when it came to planning, scheduling any important details that I couldn't remember, he was there. So then he talked to me and and said, hey, we're having a lot of fire departments reach out from the area wanting to do something, wanting to help. So somehow through that process, we came up with the idea because Ryan loved fire trucks, loved parades. He he has ridden in the Cascade Parade with me every 4th of July since he's been a baby. And... And that's what, that, that was everything to him. So I think it first came up at the funeral home when the funeral director suggested the hearse carrying him away. And I, I looked and I just said, no, no, we can't do that. He can't ride a hearse. He needs to ride a fire truck. So all in all, I think it ended up being 13 different fire departments and the sheriff's department put together a parade for Ryan we had a fire truck parade, Ryan's Casket Road, on an antique open bed fire truck. We did a parade around the parking lot for people. And then the Sheriff's Department, the Road Commission, and all those fire departments helped us do a full parade all the way to the cemetery. And the cemeteries down Whitneyville Road, and the road was closed for construction. And the sheriff's department contacted the road commission and they said, no problem, we'll have it ready for you. They blocked off the road, they cleared their trucks, they shut down operations. And when we came through, not only were operations stopped, but every one of those road workers was lined up on the side of the road, hard hats off on their heart for Ryan to watch Ryan's last parade. And it was amazing. It was so amazing and I know Ryan loved it I know he was watching and loved it yeah I just wanted you to share that because I just think it's just so cool the way people will step up and help when you yeah. certainly didn't expect it you didn't expect any of that to happen and yet it did happen for you yeah the, the community support has just been amazing and to a point where it was almost overwhelming at first I mean People were telling us there were multiple people having to field and return phone calls because so many offers, so many people, there were fire departments from out of the state wanting to join in and help and saying, what can we do? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a family. 
it truly is an extension of our family. And, and Ryan was their family too. So they wanted to make sure they took care of them and took care of us. Yeah. You want to talk about your feelings that, at that time too, Stacy? Yeah, it was, as Andy mentioned, I actually was out of town. Um, my daughter and I were on her uh, eighth grade class trip. Actually, it wasn't the entire eighth grade. It was a, a field a trip to Washington, D.C. that was arranged through her school. So the eighth graders could go, seventh graders could go along with parents. So she had talked throughout the school year about wanting to do this trip. And so we had said as part of her eighth grade graduation, she could go on this trip and be her special thing. Her and I would go. We were, I think, on our third day in Washington, D.C. when Andy called me and had told me what happened. He first had said, there's been an accident. Ryan's been in an accident and it's not good. And I, I told him I'm coming home. However, that needs to happen. I'll find a flight and I'll come home. So the people that were with me, the other parents were just amazing. When they found out what happened, the teachers that were along, the parents went above and beyond to do what they could to get get me home. And actually later on when I found out about Ryan's passing, Bree came along because with us just thinking it was her or said, okay, you know, not knowing how bad it is, you know, she can finish the trip. But when we found out that he passed away, the teachers did what they could to get her to the airport to meet up with me to be able to come home. Uh So this happened, his accident happened about six o'clock in the evening. And we got a flight out of Maryland because all the DC flights were sold out. So we had to drive 40 minutes um, by way of taxi to get up to this airport. And we barely made it on the flight, but we got back to Grand Rapids. It was about one in the morning. And so it was a very hard flight that whole time. But when we got to the airport, Andy was there at the gate, along with two good friends that had brought him there. Mm-hmm. And Andy had told me later that that the airport security, they understood that there was something going on and that they just let Andy and them through security and come up and meet us because they knew something was going on that wasn't good. So just even the airport, they, the staff, the security there, they went above and beyond to make sure that when we got off that plane, we weren't there alone, trying to find them that they were there waiting for us. So we drove to the hospital right from the airport and I go in the room and Andy, had been in the room. There was, I don't know, maybe 15 people there waiting for for us to get there and Andy to get back. And it was, I think, three pastors from our church, all of the family. I don't know how many people, guys from the fire department, the ones, I think there must have been like maybe four, four or five guys there. But it's just a testament to the support that we had even that day to get through it. I think we didn't leave the hospital until I think three or so in the morning. So by the time I got there, they had Ryan in where he was in morgue, I guess. But because I hadn't seen him at all, they actually brought him out so I could see him one last time. I think I was just in a daze the whole time in shock. I just didn't know how to feel, didn't feel real. And then it was just especially hard when I went down out, gave him a kiss on the forehead and he was cold. Yeah. Didn't expect that. Just to feel the warmth of his body. It was just, it wasn't there. It was, yeah. it just, I, just threw me but yeah it was just it was a very tough very tough day but but we managed to get home I know Andy said that he was terribly worried that we wouldn't make out home in time that we would have to stay the night somewhere and 
that it was just going to be so agonizing, not just for us, but for him. Because even though he was surrounded with people, he more than anything said, I wanted you to be there. I didn't want to be, you know, alone. I needed you. So God was watching out for us. We were able to get a flight that night. But it was the hardest thing ever that anyone can ever go through it. As you know, losing a child and then especially to not be there and having to travel home from somewhere. Yeah. It just made it so much worse. It was awful. I totally know. (laughs) Yeah, I think back too. It makes me think back. We had, you know, since we were on our way to an office uh, gathering at the baseball stadium, tons of employees from my office were there and other doctors and they all came to the hospital all of them even though Andy my Andy did not did not come to the hospital he went he went to straight to Blodgett hospital where they had the morgue and would do his autopsy so I do wish I could have seen him but I don't know that it how it would have been because I never did see him until I did his hair at the funeral home. I just saw him, you know, 15, 20 feet away as paramedics were working on him, but they never let me get any closer. And then we didn't go to the same hospital, so brings back a lot of memories just talking about this together. So how have these past months been for you then since last June when this happened? It's been tough. Can you talk about those kind of first days and weeks and what things were like then and how people may have helped you? It was a blur. Yeah. You know, nothing was real. I know there were people here all the time. Our house was full and people in and out and hearing from people. And I I just, I don't even remember a lot of it. I, I just remember still waiting to, you'd get up in the morning and wait for him to come out of his room because yeah. where is he? You know, you don't, you don't realize what really happened. Even though I was there and I saw it happen, you don't, you just don't put it together and know that it's real. And I just remember everything being just blurring together and really starting to wonder what's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? Why, why am I sitting here lost? I just, I think I would describe myself as feeling very lost and not knowing even just bedtime routine was always a long process with Ryan, just because he milked every minute he could out of story time and, and cuddling time and, and just waiting to go to sleep because he didn't want it to. And so every night that was our routine and all of a sudden here I am at night, just sitting there on the couch, the house is quiet and I'm thinking, what do I do? What what do I do right now? For so many years, it was it felt like that bedtime routine was a burden because it's like, oh, can I just have some quiet time? I'm tired. Right. And then all of a sudden, go to sleep already. Quiet, yeah. yeah you know, all of a sudden, yeah. you get that quiet time, and I don't want it anymore. You know, I, I just felt lost. Like I'm supposed to be doing something right now, but I have nothing to do. And it, just trying to get used to that and and process that the routine's gone. Ryan's gone. It's it's not happening anymore. I feel like your mind just tries to protect you a little bit and making it seem like this can't possibly be real. I don't know. I feel like that must be what it is because you have to get up every day still. And if the enormity of everything that had happened did kind of hit you all at the same time. I don't know how you could continue to get up every day. But instead, it's like your mind just lets you process a little bit at a time in order to make you be able to move, you know, keep moving. Yep. It's, yeah, you take on different things at different paces. And, And we found, too, that even the two of us took things at different paces. And I think that was a huge, huge fear of mine, which caused me to go extreme the other way. So many people saying, protect your marriage. It's going to yeah. be tough. 
and, and it, even to the point of some people flat out came out and said, yeah, this is going to destroy your marriage. Be ready for it. And it's like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. That's what I have left. Yeah. You know, we have Brianna left and I have Stacy left and I, I can't do it. So it, it actually, I think I became overbearing for a point. Uh, it's like trying to be so careful to stay connected and to stay together and on the same page. And, but our, our timing was different. I, I ended up going back to work after a little over two weeks just because I had to, I, I got to the point where all of a sudden I'm sitting on the couch one morning and thinking, what am I doing? What the longer I sit here, I'm just tearing myself up. I need to go have some purpose, go do my job and keep my mind busy uh-huh. Just just to help me function. Stacy, on the other hand, needed some more time. She needed to stay home and think about it. To her, going back to work was more of a stressor, and she needed time to process. So it just we had to figure out our own place and our own way to do things. And and I'm glad we did. I, I'm glad she finally told me, "Give me some space. You're you're crowding me because." I just was so, so scared of everything I'd been told that could happen that I wanted to do everything to make sure it didn't mm-hmm. and to make sure I wouldn't lose more. Yeah. I know Eric and I had that very conversation when we were still in the hospital. You know, Peter was hospitalized overnight with his concussion. And so we were in the middle of the night talking already about our marriage and how we couldn't let this destroy our marriage too he and I were very different as well. And he went back to work just, I don't know, maybe three weeks, four weeks, maybe three after the accident. And he really, and it was very helpful to him, just like with you. It was very helpful to keep his mind occupied, to just go do something that felt safe and kind of felt normal. So then he pushed me to do the same because he wanted me to feel better. And so then I went back far too early and it was a disaster and I had to leave but it's funny how you want to help each other right and he thought mm-hmm. the best thing he could do was to tr- was to do what was best for him because he thought if it was best for him it was probably best for me too we are very similar people but in that we weren't I can see a lot of that in you guys too yep yeah sounds about the same <laughs> Just. Very much so. And I don't know if it's a, a thing with men and women or just a thing, just differences, but. Yeah. So what was your process like then, Stacy? I think I went back to work maybe a week or two after Andy did. I actually think that I went back too soon. I think mm-hmm. I should have had more time because I like to process things kind of on my own in some ways. I'm not a big talk through things kind of person when it comes to my feelings. I like to sit and think and pray is how I tend to cope with things. Andy and I are different that way. And I just, like Andy said, part of the reason why I wanted a way to go back to work was because of stress. Work was stressful before Ryan's accident. But, you know, I I talked with my employer and they said, come back and work as much or as little as you feel like you can do. So I felt like that was a good way to go about it. And so I wasn't as stressed going back to work. I wasn't sitting home all alone every hour of Andy's workday because I honestly, I didn't know how I would cope if I would. And I think Andy had the same fear. How would I be during the day mm-hmm. here in the house all by myself? Um, you know, because at that point, friends were still checking in with us. But, I mean, as time goes on, as you know, the the check-ins aren't as frequent. Um, yeah. And, and that's the tough part is, you know, people, other people that were there for us, they're still there for us today. But they they also have things going on in their lives. And like I said, they were there for us, but 
they had to kind of get back to their lives. It wasn't, you know, for so long during this is like, we were their life. <laughs> they yeah. were helping us. And your life stopped, but theirs didn't, right? Other right. things yeah. still kept right. going. And yep. yeah. So one thing I think, you know, Andy and I through this whole process too, is we tried to find a way to, you know, like when accidents happen, you're like, what could have made a difference? Mm-hmm. You know, if this or that, what have it made a difference for Ryan? And with him being on his bicycle, you know, one thing that we talked of is like, he, there's challenges with visibility of seeing kids on bikes. You know, mm-hmm. what could have, what could happen out of all this for the greater purpose to help, help kids be safe while they ride? And so we, we were talking because through. Andy, you made you made eye contact with the driver. He saw you, right? I'm not sure he did. It was a driver of a different vehicle who oh, made okay. eye contact with me. That the angle that path comes in, unfortunately, it's not a 90 degree angle. Right. So you're actually approaching from an angle almost behind. I, I've driven the intersection myself since many times, and the first time I drove it after that, I realized that actually, if you look out the side window you cannot see the bike path. You have to look out the back window at the angle. Mm-hmm. So I made con- eye contact with another driver on Cascade Road who was going to turn right. But the vehicle that was stopped, I looked at it as they're at the red light, they're stopped. Right. Yeah, and you had a green walk signal. We, yep, we had a walk. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it, everything seemed right. Seemed yeah. like it's the way it should be. Um, Now, I I feel that had it been me in front of the truck, when that driver, he was looking to the left for traffic to clear, I feel that when he swung back forward, I'm tall enough that he would have seen me. Right. Just with his eyes coming, if I had been the one in front of the truck instead of next to it. Unfortunately, Ryan, even though he was a big boy for his age, was too short. He was shorter than the hood of the truck. So when that guy swung his eyes back forward to go, he couldn't see anything in front of him. There, there was, as far as his vision was concerned, there was nobody in the path of his truck mm-hmm. because Ryan was lower than the hood of the truck. Yeah. So you've kind of made it a little bit of your purpose to help with that, haven't you? Talk a little yes. bit about that. Yeah. As, as Stacy was saying, we were trying to figure out what, what we could do, how we could memorialize Ryan and try and make a difference. My brother-in-law actually flipping through a catalog, noticed bike flags. And, and he said, you know, when I was a kid, we had flags on our bikes. Everybody did. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. says, I don't know what happened to that. Cause my kids never had them. He says, you don't see them anymore. Wouldn't that be a cool gift for Ryan's classmates? And the more me and Stacy talked about it, it's like, well, why just Ryan's classmates? That seems like, it could have, I, I truly believe that there's a high chance that if Ryan had had a flag on his bike, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. It, it would have caught the driver's eye. Now, there's no guarantee. There's no promise that you can save every kid by putting a flag on their bike. But but if you can get that height, that visibility, that that movement to catch people's eyes, it's more chance to save lives. So we did some research and we've ended up starting an organization in Ryan's honor that we call Riding for Ryan. And what we do is we hand out bike flags to children. Um, They've got a a cool little logo on them, a little picture that kids think is great. It's a kid on a bike with a flag on it, kind of a a stick person drawing almost. And, And it says Riding for Ryan so that every flag out there, everybody's riding because Ryan can't, but we're trying to protect those kids. So they're, they're a six foot tall bike flag that goes on children's bikes and they make a difference. I mean, I, I know they're going to make a difference because you, you drive down the road. I've, I've heard from so many people, Hey, I was a half mile back and I could see that fluorescent yellow flag flying and before I could see anything and, and just the added height, the added, and we've had, pretty good response. I mean, no matter what you hand out, there's going to be somebody that isn't interested. 
but kids love them because it's something cool. Parents uh-huh. hear the story. They like the idea to protect their kids. So it, it's been a well-received movement so far, you know, just trying to, of course, this, the stay at home thing is not helping us no. because it's making things a lot more difficult. We've unfortunately had to cancel fundraisers that were supposed to happen and it's just been tougher to get them out to kids, but we're doing our best. You know, we're still, yeah. we're still doing what we can to, to get them out there. Cause the other thing that's happening right now is kids are out of school and the weather's getting nicer. So they're out. So we want to still do whatever we can to hand them out and, and get the flags on kids bikes to keep them safe. Yeah. I know I had wanted to get them handed out at um, my office, you know, as a pediatrician. And of course, we're not doing any checkups right now, unless you are due for immunization. So, you know, that's been put on hold as well, because we're just not bringing them in. But hopefully, as things get a little bit better, and we start bringing kids back in for checkups, we can start working with you on that too. Because I, I think we talk all the time. I mean, you know, every single kid I see for a checkup, I talk about ways that they keep their bodies safe and healthy. And every single checkup, we talk about wearing a bike helmet, every one. But now I feel like if I can have a flag to be able to hand them as well, to increase that visibility, that will be huge. Right? Yep. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I think about that a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's bike helmets are so important, but there's the flag is a proactive measure mm-hmm. to riding bikes to keep kids safe. Of course, the the helmets, if they fall down, it will help protect their head. But mm-hmm. but in another direction, if we can prevent something by having a flag on a kid's bike, you know, that's that's the hope is that we can help kids that way before something happens. Right. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, at, at this point, we've been fortunate enough to hand out over 3000 flags to kids and, that's awesome. and we just, and we just give them for free. We, we don't, no one has to pay. We're donation based nonprofit. Yeah. I, like Andy was saying, we have so much support and people are like, you know, it makes sense. You know, I can't believe this isn't something and and even like in doing research you know about bike flags online about like the national transportation i mean there's never any mention of any kind of flag it's, it's always a bike helmet but it's right. like why why not flags too why why can't that be something that's just as, promoted just as much as the bike helmet so, and we probably, we're never going to take it that far. You know, we're not that kind of nonprofit. We're just a small little thing that, you know, we're just trying to get the word out there, whether they get a flag from us or, you know, maybe they go to a store if they're not in the West Michigan area and they go buy one. They just, we want to make sure people understand the importance of having something like that to keep their kids, help keep their kids safe while they ride their bikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple well, interesting things we've found with that is why it's not a national movement on bikes. We don't know, you know, never occurred to us, but um, we remember when Ryan was smaller and you see them all over is like these, the burly cart or yeah. other brands of bike trailer. When you buy one, it comes with a flag. Right. Every cart does, which is good because it's low, but we talked about that and it's, it's a trailer connected to an adult. So you're under the control of an adult and have the visibility of an adult. So then why, when little children are loose on their own bike and learning to ride and wobbly and all over and a little less predictable and way less visible, why don't bike manufacturers include them? Why don't, you know, nobody knows. It's not like it was decided they don't need it. Just, it just never happened. Mm -hmm. So we have done a little bit of checking just at local retailers and if you go in to to chain stores or bike shops they do have flags available for bikes really but you'll have to search uh Uh, they're buried there i know people have gone into bike shops and ask and they kind of do the oh yeah 
somewhere. Um, where are those? They might be in the back room now. So they're there. They're available. It's just not a common, commonly sold, commonly promoted item. And so it's too really... bad because it, it would be awesome if you would go to a place like Walmart or Target and buy a kid's bike and have them say, we throw in this flag for free for you. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it yeah. should be. Yeah. It and, should and be would... just uh, anybody who sells them should be able to just give you a flag to go with it. And we would love to do that. And, you know, if we could get it to how it is like with the bike carts, where it's just a standard item in the box with the bike, we don't know. We'll do what we can to spread what we can. And as, as it's hopefully as the word spreads, people start making the request and people start because, well, we love seeing a riding for Ryan flag on a bike. We've said from the beginning, it's like, if I'm going down the road now and I see just a plain orange flag from Walmart on somebody's bike, I know it's because of Ryan, because yeah. that wasn't a thing before. Yeah. So we just try to stress to people, we're happy to give you our flag, but if, if it doesn't work out, that we can't get you one, or you can't get to us to work it out, your local stores do have them. And if yeah. people start buying them, it will increase demand, and they're going to hopefully put them more out front, make them more visible and encourage it. It's awesome to be able to do that to protect our kids. And then I've been thinking too, so the woman who hit us and killed Andy has reached out to me relatively recently since um, some of the insurance things are settled. And she's a crushed woman having killed my boy. And I think about probably that guy who hit Ryan and killed Ryan has to live with that forever so you would think those people too I mean what would he give to have been able to have a flag in front of him to have not done that so I mean to be on to think of it from that perspective too not just as a parent saving their child but as a driver preventing maybe you you know maybe me hurting someone, killing someone else's child. So I don't know. I think about it from that perspective, too. I think I've been thinking about it a little mm-hmm. bit more just as she's spoken to me a little more. Yeah. 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 I mean, this this actually, our initiative with Bike Flags has helped us cope immensely. Yes. Um, it's it's We feel like we're still carrying Ryan on. Yes. That he that everything that we're doing is in his honor, in his memory, that, you know, we, we hope we can keep this going. We want to, well, and it's something you're still doing with him, right? Yeah. It's something you can still do with him. Yeah. 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 We share his story. We get to talk about him. We were able to remember and share the kind of kid he was and just know that he is still at the forefront of people's mind that that he that he's just there he's helping he's helping us help people and that's what we want as parents right we want our our child's life to have mattered and we want them remembered and we want them to still be somehow alive in a way And it's an awesome way to be able to do this for Ryan. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of parents now, and I do feel like it is so healthy and healing for families to be able to come up with something like this, something to be able to do with their grief, like a place to put it and something that you can feel is a little bit constructive with your Mm -hmm. grief. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. I know I was so excited to hear about this, about your project for the first time. And now I heard about it in the wintertime. And that's when I said, I need, I want to have you on the podcast to talk about this, but I want to wait until the spring (laughs) when people will be out on bikes because we wanted the timing to be just perfect. Yeah, we appreciate it so much. We do. Well, how can people learn more about writing for Ryan? Do you have a website or something on Facebook? Yeah, we have both. Our website is www.writingforryan.org. 
and we also have a Facebook page as well um, called Writing for Ryan. So our website has information about how to get a flag. We have a couple pickup locations um, that people can stop and get a flag at their convenience. Although at this point, people will want to call ahead because they're at fire stations, two fire stations. So want to make sure that uh, someone is there and available to uh, bring a flag out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but you know, our, we're happy to share our story. We're thankful for people that take an interest in our cause and want to help. We're 100% donation-based, so we'll gladly accept donations as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, flags are free. We don't require a donation for people to get a flag, but we'll gracious, graciously accept donations mm-hmm. from people. I know one of my uh, guests that's been on in the past said that uh, she was out for a walk and she saw kids in her neighborhood riding their bikes with riding for Ryan flags on it. And I thought that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Pe- yeah. People send us pictures, actually. It took oh, yeah? a while before we actually saw them ourselves, just based on not living in a neighborhood. Um, we would drive to the bike path. We don't live along it, but people yeah. that live in neighborhoods and busier areas are always sending us pictures. You know, look, look, there they go again. I, I see them almost every day. So it, it's great for us to, even though we're not physically seeing them all the time, to, to see that they're out there, to hear people are seeing them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a beautiful thing, and I really admire you guys for doing it. And thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show today and just talking about Ryan and talking about your amazing kid and what you've been able to do. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.